Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Sway Reporting Live. However you may be listening, thank you for tuning in. First and foremost, shout out Fox co-host of the Fox Sports show, Speak for Yourself, Mr. Emmanuel Aiko, for inspiring me to start this series. After watching his mini-series on Instagram called The Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man, I felt I should try to do something along those lines. I'm not trying to copy his work by any means, but just trying to take something from it, make it my own in my path to being a sports journalist. My name is Ryan O'Neill Richards, and to some I am known as Just Sway. I am a male. I check off African-American or black in those identification boxes on any government affiliated paper. I blend in with the night and shine brightly in the sun. And yes, I hear those jokes a lot. (laughs) When you put me on a blank canvas, though, I am the only speck of color you see. And ladies and gentlemen, this man of color is human, too. I was I actually was supposed to drop some NBA playoff content today, but uh, something felt bigger than basketball, bigger than basketball, bigger than sports at this moment. There are people like me that don't discriminate, treat everyone as if you would want to be treated. My parents made sure to teach me that at a very young age, and I still believe in that that uh, teaching. I say these things because it really is starting to get to me that the act of violence to people of color is being done, honestly. Um, it's like ultimately only being seen because someone was conscious enough to, rec- to conscious enough to record. I don't I, I don't understand how you can look at someone and think that you must do harm. What goes through your head when you're pulling those shots seven times in a man's back while his children are in the back of the car? What is going through your minds as you see someone that just broke up a fight and you're pointing guns at him and all he's doing is walking away from you? What goes through your minds when you have a knee on top of somebody's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds and the last two and a half, that man was unresponsive as you looked into the camera with a smile on your face? I just don't understand. I don't understand how you can raise a child to believe that they are the quote unquote superior race. Put such negativity into their minds, such negativity that they believe to be a social norm. I truly believe that this is what's going on, because at this point. I am at a loss for words. Let's try to dive right into things, shall we? Right. So I have a quote here in front of me, and it says by Alexander Graham. And he once said, when one door closes, another opens. But we often look so long and so regretfully upon the closed door that we do not see the one which has opened for us. The Black Lives Matter quote unquote movement is not a movement, in my opinion. If you're black, it's a livelihood. And LeBron James eloquently stated such a sentiment when asked about the subject earlier in the NBA's restart. A livelihood where parents have to tell their children to be careful where they hang out what they do when they hang out, and sometimes even who they hang out with. A livelihood that a man of color like myself immediately goes into somewhat survivor mode when I see those infamous red, white, and blue lights, or even that siren sound. A livelihood where, as a child growing up, education was more important because without knowledge, you wouldn't be able to make it in life. Not saying that we don't already know that knowledge is key, but it seems that Growing up, it's like books, 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 because when you read certain books, you realize in history that they are lying in these books. And also that sometimes your friends that are of, 
I would not say light skin color, but your white friends maybe in school that you've probably had that they have the one up on you because of their skin color. So you have to be just a little bit better than them so you can get to their level, right? Now let's look at the athletes. I believe the athletes of now compared to the athletes of the past and yesterday are a tad bit different. Athletes of the past gave me the vibe that they weren't as willing to stand for something. Why? Maybe because they didn't have the proper resources. Not meaning they didn't want to or weren't for the cause, but in those times, there just wasn't enough voices. Why? Because most of the voices we heard were of white voices. For example, during the early stages of the pandemic, ESPN dropped The Last Dance, 10-part docuseries on Michael Jordan, his success, his success with the Chicago Bulls, how they came to be, and how they came to to dismantle, to be dismantled. In this last dance, there was a I've, I cannot remember the episode on top of my head, but there was a stage in the dance where they showed um, a politician, a black politician running for uh, I forgot the position at the time. Forgive me. But his counter his uh, running mate, not running mate, but his opponent at the time was a white male um, who was already, I believe, was in office before or in that position already. Um, but the the point is, at the time, this was in the 90s, um, Michael Jordan was asked to back the uh, the uh, politician who was uh, a person of color. And Michael Jordan basically did not back him. He didn't back anyone in the race. Um, but he kind of said that he didn't want to get into something that he was not educated or properly educated on, which is cool. There's no problem in that because why speak on something that you're not really educated on? You don't want to look like a fool. So but some took it as. How are you not going to uh, back somebody who looks like you in skin? In an earlier podcast I did on Story Important Live, I questioned a what if scenario about whether what it would look like if MJ was more socially educated, was more socially educated and more with the community. How much of a difference would he have made in the community if he just knew better or decided or decided to act on that knowledge? As MJ alluded to in the docuseries, he was just a basketball player and that's what he knew and that's what he tried to stick to. He didn't want anything to do with the outside noise, um, any critics. And that's okay because that is what you're good at. And he was very good at that. So that's what he stuck to. Right. So. Now look at today's athletes. Thanks to social media and better access to education, we see a more socially active athlete. For eight minutes and 46 seconds, we watch George Floyd, who was unarmed, lose his life as his breath left his body due to the knee of an officer being forced onto his neck. This video spoke white supremacy if you did not know what it was. It gave you chills of Eric Garner in 2014, it broke your heart like the murder of young Trayvon Martin in 2012. The death of George Floyd was felt specifically throughout the NBA community as he was a close friend of respected NBA champion Stephen Jackson. Due to, due to the coronavirus, we were all sent indoors, but George Floyd's murder brought us back outside in a form of peaceful and not so peaceful protests, right? This time, the common person with color was not alone, but they were joined by the same superstar athletes they watched and idolized on the TV. 
They were there to take a stand, just like at the ESPY show in 2012, where LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony, and Chris Paul decided to challenge the common black athlete to be more proactive and socially sound to the things happening to people like themselves. And now we are seeing that same stand being taken today. Today, the NBA postponed all three games that were listed. Um, but before it was officially postponed, we saw the first game that was supposed to air was Bucks Magic. Um, when you turn on the TV, it was a very unfamiliar sight. As you see the Orlando Magic team warming up, layup lines, everything, but you don't see Milwaukee. Um, in my opinion, we know that, of course, we know that the Milwaukee Bucks ended up boycotting and the other teams boycott. It's not about the NBA postponing. It's more about the teams boycotting the situation. Um, just to, as a side note, I don't feel like it didn't seem like the Orlando Magic were involved in the boycott or it wasn't a collective decision. But nonetheless, they all standing as one saying we are not going to play basketball today after the killing of not the killing. Sorry. Uh, after the shooting of Jacob Blake. So there's a couple things I want to look at. Chris Paul, his role in this, his game was the second game to be aired on NBA TNT um, against the uh, Rockets, Thunder versus Rockets. And Chris Paul, for those who, who do not know, is the president of the National Basketball Players Association. In the video that we've probably seen a thousand times, if you haven't been catching up with the NBA, CP3 met with Russell Westbrook before the game. And it looked like they came to a consensus that, yeah, we're not playing this basketball game right now. It's it's time to hit. It's trying to hit the people where they where they like it the most. And it seems that people are uh, these athletes decided to hit the owners, everybody involved, everybody that is white, that is deciding not to listen during these times. Right where it hurts, right in the pockets, the money. So. I'll get to the money aspect of it later, but. We also see Kenny Smith, TNT anchor, deciding to walk off the set in solidarity with players deciding not to play. Um, that was a very uh, different sight to see on national television. But the point is being made that enough's enough. We are human, too. This black man is human, too. This man of color is human, too. And... I don't understand how it doesn't touch white people in the heart directly, in the feelings, in the goosebumps. When you see that video, imagine like how I like to relate to people is imagine you were in that situation. Imagine someone you knew was in that situation, right? It just don't feel right. It hits you to the core and seeing that video at this point, if there is no change, then this is the very, very, very scary world that we're living in. But let's try to get back onto topic, right? Remember in the NBA restart, before it actually restarted, there were those players that felt like, nah, we shouldn't be playing this basketball game, right? Mr. Kyrie Irving was one of those people in the headlines leading the charge. And he got a lot of bad rap for it. He was being told he's being uh, shown as someone that wanted to do something without a plan. But initially, this has been going for 400 years now. So if Kyrie doesn't have a plan, do you blame him? Because we have seen the peaceful protests such as Martin Luther King. We have seen other 
social activists that felt like, all right, peacefulness isn't always a thing, right? We see, they, like, we, we've seen in history where we, as people of color, have tried so many different things, so many different ways, and it's still being seen today. There's no reason why I should feel weird in a white neighborhood. So, uh, I went up to Albany this past, uh, week weekend and um i was helping one of my little cousins move into his new crib out in albany so basically long story short everybody's inside i go outside to get a car get something from the trunk of the car real quick and uh, about a middle-aged white lady uh walking down the street same she's in the middle of the street so she's passing me as i'm in the trunk um and you know she gives me a look man of course me being the respectful person that I am, I say, hello, how are you doing? Because she seems, she seems, let's just say she probably knew the faces on the block and my face did not look familiar. So she looked at me. I said, hello, how are you doing? She said, hello, hello. Um, she, she just said hello. And then I just, I kind of gave her the reason why I'm here. So I, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm just moving in my, my little cousins, uh, moving in with his three different roommates college students, you know, I had to make sure she knew what what I want, but it, it felt like she was like, you know, questioning me. It felt like I wasn't supposed to be there or she was just G checking me for lack of a better term. And, you know, I would tell, I told my cousin about the conversation. Like, she's like, oh yeah, you know, be careful around here. It's uh, it's a little hot and uh, make sure to stay hydrated. I'm like, "Uh, okay, kind of knew that already, but you know, copy noted say that and you know i tell my little cousin and he he laughs and you know as black people we laugh at these situations because we're not here to to mess up your situation you have out here we, we're we trying to live our lives the same way you are trying to live your lives all right so let's try to get back on track um kyrie irving was in the forefront Right before the NBA restart as somebody who led the charge and not wanting to return to the NBA bubble, not trying to uh, be there. Felt like there was things going on that needed to be done, needed to be dealt with, needed to be addressed. And that basketball would only cause it only act as a distraction. Well, I would not say Kyrie is smart right now, but he's justified for his thinking. For me to say Kyrie is smart, in my opinion, would put down the thinking of others such as LeBron James, Patrick Beverly, other other athletes that just felt that their sports platform can be used in the change. Of course, in part of that decision to come and play sports, uh, some of it was to help the athletes financially because they do have families to support. Not everybody is paid over $100 million like Kyrie Irving, like LeBron James, like Stephen Curry, things like that. And also, they need the, 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 the financial stability to help their communities. The same community that are, that are struggling, being are the same communities that have those police um, brutality in it. So both sides, whichever side you were picking, even though there was no side, there was only one true side, Kyrie looks justified, right? Um, but today, today, today felt like a day in history that we will all remember. Um, why? Because 
this day was specific as in four years ago on August, four years ago to this day, uh, was the first time that Colin Kaepernick took a knee in protest of the NFL and protest of so police brutality and social injustice in the black community. I just feel like it's very, I, today's an iconic day and people of color are tired because why? It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. We've been fighting, fighting in all sorts of life. The Jackie Robinsons breaking the color barrier. Like we had Oscar Robinson fighting for NBA free agency back in his day where he sat in a courtroom and when, and when he said that he felt like he should have the ability, the right to sign wherever he felt was was good enough for him, the people in the courtroom laughed at him, laughed in his face when he felt when he voiced his opinion and right to say that he feel like I should be able to go wherever I want in the NBA before you decide to merge these leagues together. They, they, they just blatantly laughed in his face. So the disrespect and the the oppression of us has been here for a very long time, very long time. This this country was built on not liking how they were being treated in one country. And now those same forefathers instilled that same sentiment, but being hypocritical about it, hypocritical about it. Now we are upset about how we are being treated, how we've been treated for 400 years. And now look at us still being shot in the street, still being choked out, still being. I remember son where Corona was just starting and they were roughing up a group of black kids because they all didn't have a mask on. Had him on the street, looked like they were about to arrest him, looking like convicted felons or something. And not to compare groups, but people of the of the Jewish community were outside in the hundreds and thousands in NYC. Of course, it's too uh, respectfully they were. Um, <laughs> Um, they were uh, enjoying their, uh, they were paying homage to their religion, right? That is no problem. I have no problem with that. But if you are going to do one thing for somebody else, you must do it for the same, for the other. I just feel it has to, there has to be an equilibrium and there isn't in this world. And I'm not trying to make an example of people that are Jewish or, and make anti-Semitic remarks. I am just trying to understand why are we treated one way and people are just treated differently? We're tired. Like, people are tired, bro. It's hard. Like, I have instances in my life racially profiled. For example, freshman year at Buffalo State. Party in one of the... Uh, I was at a party in one of the um, school buildings. <laughs> All right? School party. And uh, basically, I got that text. That late night text. Y'all know what that late, te- late night text mean. So... You know, your boy was trying to go back to the crib, freshen up and go about my business. So I leave the facility. My dorm is literally, what, 30 feet from the building. Right. So I take the back entrance, the back entrance cut through the kitchen. It didn't go through the kitchen specifically. It was just a pathway that was by the kitchen, which led to the back door. Many students took this pathway as they didn't want to go around the building just to go to that dorm. So I took that cut and I ran through that cut because it's a breakout in Buffalo. So I'm running, I'm running with my little, my one long sleeve and my one, and my one pants on. And tell me why a university police officer swerves his car in front of me, nearly hits me, by the way, swerves his car in front of me and stops me. He's like, where are you going? 
I'm like, uh, Porter, Porter Hall, which was the name of my dorm. Um, he's like, where are you coming from? Of course, I'm looking at him crazy because I have a, I have a, the party had glow sticks on. I had the armband that said I was part of the party and I had a glow stick around my neck. And I'm like, officer, I just came from the school party. He's like, well, uh, well, uh, let me see some ID. I'm like, all right, you can't walk around in no campus with no ID. Got you. Banged out the buffalo said ID. Here you go. He's like, well, um, we have an instance of uh, people uh, taking food from the kitchen, stealing food from the kitchen. So I'm going to have to ask you, to, uh, do you have anything on you? And I'm like, no, I have my wallet and my ID, sir, and my phone. So he pats me down and got my hands on the hood. I'm compliant, you know, as, I, as my parents have taught me. And the officer immediately, after he pats me down, he decides to put me in handcuffs, tight handcuffs. And I'm like, officer, what did I do? Says nothing. Officer, what did I do? Says nothing. And I'm like, okay. In this moment, I'm upset. I'm angry because I know I ain't do nothing wrong. I was just with my friends. I have an alibi, but I couldn't even use the alibi because my friends were in the party. So I sat in that police car with my handcuffs. I sat in that police car handcuffed, hands behind my back for about 15 minutes. Phone blowing up. People asking me where I'm at. People asking me if I'm Gucci. And I'm sitting there with a sad face in the car as the, as the officer is literally just standing outside the car waiting for his partner. It was like, oh, yeah, check, check, check the alleyway. See if he got somebody with him. When I was the only person that ran out. A white couple passed me. And honestly, I don't I don't blame them for not doing anything. But all I know is if the person was black, they probably would have helped me out. The officer was white as well. And it they saw me in the car like, yo, help me, somebody, please. And they just walked right past. Said nothing, did nothing. And I just know if it was somebody of color, they would have probably asked the officer, yo, what's going on? Why you got him like that? What's going on? Why is he in handcuffs? Did he really do something that wrong? Long story short, the uh, the officer, his partner ran out. He was like, yeah, no one's there. Blah, blah, blah. They checked the cameras. It wasn't me, of course. I knew it wasn't me. But they knew it wasn't me as well. And they, they, they were like, oh, uh, sorry, you fit the description. I fit the description. So, of course, the, what else is the description? Black person? With some designer on or just some like regular athletic clothes on. That was your description. I'm trying to tell you guys like. We're we're human as well. There's no reason why we should, we should be treated just because. We're, we're our skin is darker. Like I don't. It's to the point where I, I, I really don't get it. And I stand with sports today. That's why I love the NBA. Because. Once the NBA feels like it's a player driven league, even though the owners pay the players. Yes, that's cool. There is a there is a, 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 a line to this. There is a protocol to this. But it seems that when something socially happens and NBA players decide, nah, we got to we got to do something about this. They're at the forefront. WNBA as well. That's why I'm looking to that's why I'm challenging the NFL to move accordingly, to be more of a player-driven league since their players are predominantly people of color. 
I just want them to know that we're human too. And just imagine if the shoe was on the other foot, how would you feel? <laughs> they probably already, they probably wouldn't know how to feel. To watch their mans get arrested, watch their mans get shot. They, they probably wouldn't know how that feels. But there will be a change. It's all about sacrifice, in my opinion. Sacrifice. You can't get you can't get what you want without sacrificing something. And if the NBA decided, you know what, we're done, no playoffs. Let's attack social justice, injustice. Let's go back to the streets where we were. I wouldn't have a problem with it. Yes, I want to see my favorite player win a ring. Yes, I want to see the buckets. Yes, I want to I want to have something on my mind that doesn't revolve around, yo, if I do this, then I probably won't get this job. Yo, if I, yo, mm-mm, drive safely. Don't do this outside. You know what I'm saying? Like, if the players decided, you know what, we going to be in these streets. Because they need to be in these streets. I like basketball, but at the end of the day, the NBA showed me, or reminded me is a better word, that, you know what? We don't care if you don't cut us no checks. Because when you can't cut us checks, that means you can't cut yourself checks. And when you can't cut yourself a check, then now you're listening. Now you're worried. Now you want to do something about it because you want your money back. But don't do, that, uh, don't do it out of spite. Don't do it out of money. Don't do it because you're losing something. Do it because we're all human. At the end of the day, the only difference, if there is one, is what we look like. But on the inside, once you take off all that skin, the meat is the same. Blood is the same. You get me? So, thank you for all tuning in. So you're putting a lot. I am a man of color. And I'm human too. <laughs>